Hello and welcome to the Medical Consulting Group podcast, where we discuss the latest, most impactful issues circulating the medical industry. I'm your host, Fielding. I work on the creative team here at MCG, and today's topic is cybersecurity. Joining me for today's discussion are Medical Consulting Group's resident experts, Brendan Gallagher, David Kaplan, and Daryl Brown. Real quick, I'll have everyone introduce themselves. Daryl, let's start with you. Hi, uh, my name is Daryl Brown. I'm the web developer here at Medical Consulting Group. My name is Brendan Gallagher, and I'm the information systems consultant. I'm David Kaplan. I am the IT consultant for our clients. Great. Thanks, guys, for joining us. So let's get right to it. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency website has designated October as Cybersecurity Awareness Month using the tagline, do your part, be cyber smart. As businesses become increasingly reliant on digital platforms, it's crucial that everyone practice good cyber hygiene and take actionable steps to stay safe online. So David, I'll start with you. This week's theme from the CISA is fight the fish, spelled with PHs. According to their website, over 90% of successful cyber attacks begin with a phishing click. So, what is phishing? What does it look like? Phishing is, uh, and it's, it's been around a while. Um, it's definitely getting better developed as, as time goes on by uh, hackers and, and malicious parties. Phishing is kind of a new take on social engineering. It's a way to basically mimic something that you're familiar with. We'll use Facebook as an example. Like you would get sent an email, looks like it's from Facebook. They might say something like, hey, you need to secure your account, it's getting hacked. Then you click the link, you put in your credentials. Now they have your credentials. In the IT field, we're real leery of this because there's so many sites that require specific access that these people are targeting now um, trying to get access to your email so they can then use your email to email all your friends and get the same information. Phishing is, is even though it's spelled with a PH, it is phishing for people's credentials is more or less what it's about. Gotcha, good stuff. And so it seems like it requires um, a bit of involvement on the end user to engage this type of tactic for it to be successful. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the number one thing to help prevent phishing attacks is to educate your employees. Try to stop it before it even starts. Um, there's things you can do on the back end for IT, some protection, stuff like that. Nothing's ever bulletproof, as I like to say, meaning where there's a will, there's a way. Things can still get through. You can have top-notch security and things will still find their way through. Um, so really educating your employees is the main thing. Tell them what to look for, be very suspicious of anything. Even to the point if you get an invoice from someone where you're like, I don't know, sometimes it's worth the extra step to go ahead and reach out and verbally confirm something before you go to a website you're not sure about. Great, that makes sense. Is there anything employers can do for employees to prevent these phishing attacks? In my experience, like the main thing to like help your employees know what phishing or prevent a phishing attack um, is just to make them basically aware of it. Um, you'd be surprised how many people, even though they watch the news or read the news and they hear it, 
they don't really understand it until you sit down and kind of explain to them like, hey, this is how it works. They're specifically making their emails look like they're legitimate, like they're from the source. A big thing to watch for, and this isn't always the case because there's also what they call spoofing of email addresses where it actually looks like it's from someone, but it isn't. But you'll notice, I, I don't know, Brendan, would you say maybe 70% of the time on a phishing email, you look at the from address, and even though it may have someone's name, like it may look like it came from Bill, but then you look at it and it's xy9782 at hotmail.com. Like that's a pretty good indicator that it's a non-legit. So just pointing out those things to your employees is a huge help because really any hack, phishing or anything you've seen in the last five years, I would say probably 80% if not more came down to an end user at some point. It wasn't an actual failure in the security that you have or you pay for. It's just, unfortunately, the users tend to be the weak link. So the better you can educate them, teach them, you actually build your defenses. Yeah, systems are secure. People are not. I I mean, that's really what it kind of comes down to. And and another good way to, to help with some of these phishing campaigns and the things that are going on is to actually actively fish your own employees ahead of time. Uh, and so you send them carefully constructed messages you know, to, to fool them, to see kind of where, you know, what users need more training, what users don't, and, and make sure that you address that within the staff because it's, it's kind of, it, and not make them afraid. That's the main thing, you know. You can, they can let, you can let them know that they're going to be fished but they're not going to get fired for it. You know, that's, that's kind of a, you got to make sure that you communicate that, you know, to the staff so that when you are fishing them, um, that they're not afraid that they're going to get, you know, they're going to get fired or something, you know, kind of a, a carrot and a stick, you know. We, we want to give you the carrot so that we can give you that education uh, and, and, you know, increase the overall cybersecurity posture of the organization. You, you make a really good point there. Something I'd like to kind of add on to. It's like, you know, and this is more for any IT guys out there listening, is IT departments have a bad reputation of being jerks. So a lot of time the users of institutes won't, they're like, oh, I don't want to bother them about this email. I'll just click it and figure it out. So sometimes as an IT person, like reaching out to your employees, letting them know you're not going to get in trouble. You can't ask a stupid question. Like just kind of opening that communication with them too helps a lot. Yeah. I mean, even in the last few days, I know that we've both seen messages from surgery centers, you know, asking, you know, is this valid? I I see it all. Our, our people are trained all the time to ask, you know, because I always, (laughs) I always say it's much better to ask, you know, a 30 second question, you know, can make the difference into, you know, days of downtime, you know, so don't be afraid to ask. That's awesome. Good stuff. Daryl, you work with website security. Um, what are some common issues or threats that you see around websites? Well, the most common threat that we see is unauthorized logins, and they're typically performed by what they call quote unquote brute force. Uh, in a brute force login, the attacker, um, uses a bot to quickly run through billions of potential username and password combinations. 
if they're lucky, they'll eventually guess the right credentials and gain access to the protected information. This can sometimes be affected because for WordPress, for example, it's uh, relatively easy to find. Uh, anyone can simply take the main site's URL and append forward slash WP admin or WP login PHP to the end and gain access to that login page. So it's, um, it's often recommended that you customize that default login page so it, attackers can't gain access and attempt the brute force entry to begin with. Interesting. And what steps do you take in your role for your clients to prevent these types of attacks? Well, we have some perimeters in place that if you try to, for example, most of the sites, if you try to perform this or try to even just access the site more than five times with incorrect combinations of usernames or passwords, it will block your IP address for a certain amount of time. And if you keep trying that and you fail again, it just keeps doubling the amount of time it would take to try to do that. And that's worked well. We've had a few instances where that has, where that's happened. Another method we, we actually use all the time is to back up to two separate, we have two separate backup systems that we use and that helps us in the event that anything was to happen, which fortunately we've not had anything to that degree, but they're run daily and it provides full backup of, of the site in two different locations, which is helpful in the event that something was to happen. And are there tools or programs available that enhance website security? Well, to maintain the security for them, we have a couple of different backups that we do every single day to the websites to do two different places. But also we have some software that we use that monitors every one of our websites and it goes out there and in real time to check to see if the plugins, the themes, the actual core software for the different CMSs are all updated. This is a, I checked this a couple of times a day and that's something that we commonly, that's just done as part of a checklist for each client. The theme and plugin developers often release updates, you know, for the functionality enhancements and, for, and additional security measures, but um, not all developers do. So when they don't do this, sites uh, using these resources become vulnerable to hackers who can use these outdated tools as entry points. And particularly for our company, um, I believe many of the, these attackers can tell that our sites are healthcare oriented. And I think that they're trying or hoping they can get different, steal different patient data from us. But at least for us in actuality, we don't really store any personal information on these sites. And we actually use a third party component that's HIPAA compliant um, to, to run all of our forms to prevent this, you know, the possible issue in itself. So we talked about website security. Um, what about security around your hosting provider? Well, that's that, that's a really good question. Um, I've it's I've always thought it's like you need to always choose a reputable web hosting service because don't search for the des best discount. Whoever's got the you know, fly by night price for the day, find one that's got the reviews, one that you hopefully know that someone else has used because that can make all the difference. Uh, when the provider that we use in particular, we've actually even recently switched over to their security system for the websites themselves. And it's nice to know that, that that's all part of a single system now for us, not having to use yet another third party, but they're, they've proven themselves completely great with those things. And we kind of had moved in that direction very recently. Yeah, I mean, it's very important because even if your website, the platform that your website's developed in is completely secure, if the underlying platform has security vulnerabilities, then you still have a security vulnerability. It, it's everything has to be as current as it can be, or else uh, you know you're you're vulnerable. And 
if you're using an outdated hosting platform, it's just another way in um, for people to, to gain access and potentially put malicious software on your site that then your patients would download and, and you know, causes a real, real bad you know, public relations issue, uh, not to mention you know, problems for the patients. And it might be worth noting to viewers or listeners that when we're talking about content management systems, there's multiple layers here that are having to constantly be updated. And it, to basically explain it, you have the content management system, which is the website building platform. And this includes everything from WordPress to Joomla to Drupal to Wix, WooCommerce, Shopify. I mean, there's, there's all kinds out there. And all of those have core softwares themselves that have to be updated you know, almost as frequently as the plugins themselves, which are part of, you've got page builders under that, which includes everything from Elementor to Visual Composer to Seedprod to Beaver Builder to Themify. Those all have to be updated and they have, and under that you've got themes and plugins and all of those have to be updated. And all of this obviously is also having to work in the background together, which is, um, one of the other, we can cause security issues, but also it can cause website issues, and we have to constantly watch that to make sure everything is still working in agreeing with each other. And it's just a daily check, and it's, it's a big check and balance system here to make sure all these different components are working together and, you know, keeping the sites updated and secure. Awesome. Thank you, Daryl. Brendan, I'll turn to you. Is it worthwhile for businesses and practices to invest time and resources in cybersecurity? Absolutely. Uh, I don't think that it can be understated how important that it is at this point in time. Every single day there are new attacks uh, in multiple different ways, in multiple different systems, on different portions of systems. Um, you know, kind of like how David was saying with, with the phishing, you know, even, even more so with you know, kind of the cloud, everything's going to the cloud. Uh, the cloud is somebody else's computer. It's still a computer, you still have to log into it. Uh, and so that's another area of that, of that phishing that people can access. So, you know, investing, you know, in two-factor authentication uh, to help fight some of that, um, investing and, and taking the proper steps to be HIPAA compliant. Uh, you know, I like to say that HIPAA is not an option, it's the law and you have to follow the things that are a part of that law or you can suffer you know, significant financial consequences, um, you know, public relations problems, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of problems that you just want to try to prevent. And you know, having a, a plan in place to address those issues and you know, investing as just a part of doing business in cybersecurity is, is critical at the, at, this point of where we are in the world. You talked about having a plan. So let's say a practice or business is concerned about their cybersecurity. Where's a good place for them to start or is, are there resources available that they can turn to? The one that I really like recently uh, is the NIST cybersecurity framework. It, uh, it's a little simpler. It's simpler than, it, uh, than some of the predecessors. Uh, there's 108 points that you can kind of address. They're all nicely categorized so that you can see you know, different areas of protection of cybersecurity that you can address. And it's a good roadmap. Uh, and you don't have to do it all at one time. You know, it's something that you can kind of progress through. And the other thing that I really like about it, and I think that practices and surgery centers would really like about it, uh, is that earlier this year, 
there was actually uh, a law passed against the High Tech Act that provides a safe harbor if you have implemented something like the NIST cybersecurity framework for the last 12 months. So the, the benefit of that is fines are drastically reduced, um, potentially. You know, obviously, if you're negligent, that's not going to help you. But uh, if you're trying to do the right thing, you know, fines can be reduced and the audit process becomes a much shorter much shorter process so that it's not as much of a burden on, on a practice or surgery center. That's really good advice. And to kind of piggyback on that, from the NISC website, one of their statistics is um, businesses who employ and implement two-factor authentication decrease cyber threats by 99%. So it's super effective um, tactic in protecting your business. Yeah, and the other thing is, as kind of going along with that, is that's really what the cybersecurity insurance companies are absolutely, that's their, their big focus this year, is, is two-factor authentication. It's increasingly difficult or almost impossible to get some of that cybersecurity coverage if you haven't implemented two-factor authentication. Uh, we've seen it um, up close and personal, so yeah, it's, it's a it's a definite deterrent and a very proactive step uh, in increasing you know, cybersecurity overall. And I guess it's safe to say that the bad guys and the hackers out there are becoming more and more sophisticated. Absolutely. You know, I know that you know, ransomware is a service. You don't even have to write your own. You can just rent it. Uh, the same thing with botnets. Uh, there was a massive denial of service attack on Microsoft a couple of days ago. You know, that I mean, we're talking about millions of machines from all over the world, you know. They're renting it out, you know. I want to shut down this clinic for today. I can, you know, especially if I know that they're using some sort of cloud service that's vital to their operation. So, yeah, it's, it's becoming increasingly more sophisticated and easier for, for bad actors to gain access. You know, if I can go out and rent the knowledge and perform an attack, I don't even have to know how to do it. You know, I, just, I can just share the profits with the bad guys uh, of whatever they collect and ransom. Of course, you have to trust the bad guys, but <laughs> that, that, uh, that's a little dangerous. But, you know, uh, if you're sharing, doing profit sharing <laughs> with uh, ransomware as a service, I mean, if, even if you're only collecting 30% of multi-million dollar uh, ransoms, it's, it's a pretty good deal. So, yeah, it's... It's amazing how far it's come and, and how they're really run like businesses. You know, they have help desks to, <laughs> to collect the ransom. It's not funny. It's, it's completely scary and it's getting worse all the time. And if a company like Microsoft is vulnerable, pretty much everyone would be vulnerable. Yeah, that would be a bad day for a lot, a lot of people. Uh, I know when the SolarWinds attack happened, that was... Uh, that's pretty scary stuff. You know, if you lose control of your 365 tenant, yeah, it's a, it could be a real bad day for, for millions of people worldwide. Yeah, so I mean, it, it seems like the threats out there in cyberspace continue to grow and evolve. And so making cybersecurity a priority for your business or practice should definitely be at the top of your mind. That concludes our episode. Thanks to David, Daryl, and Brendan for joining me. We hope you learned a bit about cybersecurity today. Thanks for listening.